welcome to our next episode of The Vital Life. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh, and this week we're going to talk about home. So I wanted to give you an overview of our four core topics. So the last episode was about health. So health, home, family, and food. Those are our four core topics that we're going to keep discussing through this podcast, giving you information, things that will empower you to find a balance in your life and holistic health and home or homesteading, Um, you know, family, we'll talk about family in the next one, and then we'll talk about food. So home is a big one. There's so many things I want to talk about with home. Um, there's been such a big movement into homesteading, especially since 2020. I think our eyes were all opened when all of a sudden the grocery stores were empty and we couldn't go places and we were stuck at home. Um, It seems like people realized, hey, my home either serves me or it doesn't. And then we went through this crazy real estate market, right? Everybody wanted to move, which is funny because you would think during a lockdown and and a pandemic that people would actually want to just be home. But no, it, it went like the complete opposite way. Everybody wanted to move. Everyone wanted to find something different. And And I think we all realized in some ways that maybe our home didn't serve us. Or maybe it did. And we hunkered down and we're ready to go. I was one of those that realized, hey, my home is not serving me. And my husband and I bought a house in uh, September of 2020. Um, we were literally on the way to pick up our precious baby girls um, from foster care and bring them home. And this house popped on the market. And we said, this is this is it. We knew, we just knew in our hearts that the home we had. We loved our home, but it was not going to serve us as a family with three kids. And so we jumped into that crazy mess and and it was perfect and it really was meant to be. And the home we have now serves our family very, very well. And we've been working on that this year. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Ways to help it serve us even better. But I looked up the definition of home. Silly thing, because, you know, what does that mean Exactly. And the definition that I found was a safe haven and comfort zone, which I thought was really fitting because our homes really are, or they should be, our safe haven and where we are the most comfortable, where we can come home at the end of the workday, feel safe, feel like we're connected and and be safe. Um, You know, that's a that's a really, really important thing and our house and our home should serve serve us well. So the the goal for this section of our podcast is really to empower women to manage their home. We know that, you know, often the the you know, in societal norms, the man is the one who works out of the home and things like that. Though it's so different these days, there's really I would say no real norm. But I do know that you know, especially I've seen this as a chiropractor and a family wellness practice chiropractor who takes care of families. Women are 
the primary person who makes those healthcare decisions in the home, makes the decisions about the home in, in, in a general generality here. And so I really want to empower women to, to know that you have, you have the control. You can make your home serve you in the way that you want it to. And, and it can also be a very safe place and a place of comfort and warmth. And if it's not there, don't feel bad. That's, you know, I think there's always something about our home or our life that we aren't happy with. That's just part of human nature. We always want more or, you know, a lot of people do or they're just not content. So I do want to talk about that today too on how can we move our home into a place where it serves us better, where we are more content, where you're happy, where it's healthier. Um, Making your home into a healthier environment could mean something different to different people. Um, That could mean detoxing your house. Maybe we're using chemical cleaning products. Um, Maybe we're using you know, standard laundry detergent. Maybe we're bringing home from the grocery store processed foods. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we need to work on the air quality in our house. I mean, there's, there's just so many things about the home that we can work on. And if it's not serving you in the way that you want it to, that's okay. That's, that's what we're here for. So lots and lots of ideas here rolling around in my head of topics and things we can do to talk about bringing your home into a more holistic and and healthy place. Um, You know, cleaning products are a really big thing, right, for me because I've seen such a huge change in my own personal life and my personal health journey on how important that has been. So I'll get into that at some point as well. But, you know, talking about the sustainability of your home as well, we work really hard, whether you work in the home or out of the home or both, we are all working so dang hard. And the way our society is going and the financial situation of our our world, it is becoming harder and harder to keep up with. I mean, I know there's a inflation rate, who knows what it actually is at this point, but since the whole 2020 debacle, things are different. You know, I've said so many times, I I wish we could go back to prior to 2020. Like, life was so much easier and different. But then, at the same time, I sit back and think, wow, there was so much amazingness that happened in that. I don't know about you, but I felt like I really was able to figure out who my who my people are. And who had the same values and maybe who didn't, but, but it, it really helped me find my community and who, where I belonged. And I think a lot of people are doing that. And the homesteading movement is a big part of that. People want to feel self-sufficient. They want to feel like they can take care of themselves. I think we all got a little, little startled with, you know, how, how fast things could go bad. I mean, how much, how much food do you have in your house and how long could you last if the grocery stores were empty? And when you have kids to think about too, and you have to feed them as well, it can be a really scary thing. And so, you know, homesteading is a movement. It's not a new thing. It's been around for a long time. It's really kind of how we started. (laughs) And I think people are afraid of that. They're afraid of, oh, I can't be a homesteader. I live in town. I live in an apartment. I live in a townhome. 
You know, homesteading, there's a modern definition of homesteading, and it's it's all about sustainability, being self-sufficient. And so wherever you are, you can begin that process. You don't need to have animals and cows and chickens and all those things. I would love to have all those things. I don't have those things. My HOA neighborhood does not allow me to have chickens, which I've, you know, joked around with my husband of how we can get get away with it and, you know, try to give eggs to our neighbors and maybe they'll keep it quiet. But <laughs> um, even so, you know, obviously we don't want to do that. We want to try to follow the rules. But you can become a, or consider yourself a home center wherever you are. And my friend Sabrina talks about this a lot. She's definitely going to be a guest on this at some point. She talks about, um, you know, she lives in a small, uh, on a small lot with an HOA and how much she's been able to do. And she really inspired me and getting my garden started as well a couple last year. And my friend Amanda has been homesteading for years and quietly, you know, doing her thing. And she's a genius. She knows so much. And I just can't, like, can't get enough of her and absorbing her and watching her YouTube videos. And so there's so many, so many things that you can do. So whether you start where you are, growing a potted tomato, or jumping in headfirst and building garden beds and jumping into a garden, you know, whatever that is, you can be a homesteader just by cooking your food at home and taking care of your home and and, and making that your safe haven. So I want you to think about your home or if you're in your home listening to this, sit down and look around and look and see what serves your family, what serves your family's health and their comfort and their stability, and then take a look at what could change. Are there things in your home that maybe aren't serving you anymore. Maybe they served an old you or they served you for a purpose and that purpose is now completed. Um, Sometimes the clutter around us can block us from being able to make steps in the new direction. And sometimes we need to clean out and restart and detox our home, just like we have to detox our bodies from time to time from the things that we have put into it that maybe weren't the best. So, Take a look at your house and think about that. And then think about where you can start making changes to be more uh, self-sufficient. So last fall, before I really, this passion just hit me really hard last year. Uh, I want to grow a garden and I want to, you know, honestly, I wanted a hobby for me. I've been running a business for, at that point, 10 years. And that was my identity for the longest time. And then all of a sudden I was a mom and I was trying to find my identity there because as you know, I adopted my baby. So I came into mothering in a very different way. Um, so it was a big transition and I just felt a little bit lost and thought, you know, I need something for me. I've always loved gardening. When I was a kid, we would have a small garden in our in our yard and we had like the previous owners of the property that my parents had us on was had some asparagus and I didn't eat asparagus at that point when I was a kid but I thought it was so cool that every springtime these asparagus spikes would come out of the ground and then and then we'd mow them over and (laughs) you know we didn't we didn't really do much with them but we did grow some things and you know growing up we I grew up on a um on a farm I mean it was a hobby farm I guess you would say my my parents both grew up as 
farmers. My mom was primarily a tobacco farmer, but my grandpa had my mom and her siblings, my aunts and uncles, out in the fields doing tobacco. They had lived they lived in Florida for a little while and did watermelons and things. So they had a lot of fun farming experiences. And my dad was a I don't, they, he was a farmer as well. They both ended up in Wisconsin to become dairy farmers. And so growing up, I got to go to my my grandparents' farm. You know, every Sunday was um, Sunday at Grandma's house. You know, Grandma and Grandpa's. And me and my cousins would all play in the barn. And we would go up to the top where they kept the hay. And there was a tire swing. And we would go up there and swing and play and have a good time. And, you know, they'd stack the hay, you know, 50 feet high, just piles and piles of hay bales. And, you know, we would run and jump in between them and get stuck in the piles of hay and <laughs> have to rescue each other and swinging into the, you know, in through the barn. And we had a really great time. And looking back, you know, I see how blessed they, they were and we were to be able to have that experience as kids. But I'm also a little bit sad because I had an opportunity. My my grandparents were dairy farmers and my dad was always out there helping. And my older cousin, I have an older cousin, he was always out there helping, but I was not that interested. And so I remember feeding the baby, feeding the baby, um, the baby cows. And, you know, it's funny when you feed the cow from a bottle, I mean, they are forceful. And so as a child, you know, they're almost knocking you over <laughs> getting this milk out of this huge bottle. And that was fun. I really had a good time with that. But looking back, I go, oh, man, I really wish I knew those skills. I don't have those skills. I don't know how to milk a cow. I mean, I could probably figure it out. But, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. And and that's obviously not where I'm at in my life now. Um, but even in the kitchen, my grandma was a great cook and... She made dinner rolls for Sunday dinner every week. And my brother loved them. I mean, we all loved them. But my brother was definitely the the one. And she she realized how much he loved them and she would always pack him up a you know, a bag full of these really amazing, squishy, soft, sweet dinner rolls. And I would remember we would eat them in the car on the way home because they were just so good and they were still warm. Um, unfortunately, I never never ended up getting her recipe. I really wish I had because they were awesome. But, you know, saying that, I realized that I really had so many opportunities I missed out on. Like, oh, I wish I had sit back and go back to those times and sit with my grandma in the kitchen and have her teach me how to make the dinner rolls and, you know, learn more about milking a cow and helping out on the farm and things like that. It's definitely something I, I, you know, have kind of a, I guess a regret now that I'm digging deeper into this lifestyle. But needless to say, you know, I don't have a cow, so I can't be milking one and things like that. So, you know, wherever you are in life, that doesn't mean that you can't get there and start where you're at. So start in the kitchen and think about, you know, when you think about your house, when you sit back and look at your house, look at your cleaning products. Have you read the ingredients? Have you Googled them? I mean, we have the internet at our disposal. So figure out, you know, look at them, see what what products are there. What do they mean? Half the time you can't pronounce the words. And 
what can that do to our bodies and, and start researching, start looking, you know, we can simple, simplify your life. Um, get rid of that processed food. Look at your pantry and what is, what's in there? What's in those ingredients? Do you know? Can you read them? I mean, if there's ingredients you can't read, that means your body doesn't know what to do with it. And you can start cleaning up, making things from scratch and don't overwhelm yourself. This is a, this is a journey. You are not going to, I don't expect, or I would, please don't, go home and dump all your cleaning products and dump all your pantry and start fresh. You know, that's that's not necessary. But start being aware and look at what can change and what you could do differently. Maybe we don't buy that processed food anymore. Maybe we say, hey, I'm going to buy the ingredients for it and I'm going to cook. And, you know, cooking is one of the best ways to teach your children. So, you know, whether you're home with them or they're at school, cooking is math and science and, you know, reading and life lessons all built into one. So involve them and take that time and process, you know, we don't have to be in a rush, rushing around things. I mean, we do. I mean, there's things that have to happen. But when you have a moment, take that moment and, and you know, make the mac and cheese from scratch, right? I, I started doing that with my kids because one, they're, they're kind of oddly picky and they don't, they won't eat like a box of mac and cheese. <laughs> um, they won't even eat like the Annie's organic mac and cheese because they say it doesn't taste good. And so I've been making them my own mac and cheese. I boil the noodles and they help me with it. And I pour in the, the, the milk and I have some powdered um, white cheddar powdered um, cheese that I got from Azure Standard and I grate some cheese and they can help me, you know, I mean, think about their, their little hands and how amazing it is that they're using the little grater and they're learning. I mean, they're hopefully they don't hurt themselves, but we're working on being careful, but that's a skill that they're learning and we, we make mac and cheese and they love it. It's funny, my, my oldest is is very picky about food. Well, they all are, to be honest, but she's picky about food, but if she cooks it, oh, it's a whole nother world. She loves everything because she took pride in, in cooking that, and it's it's so awesome to see her do that and see that change. So, you know, if you want to grow a garden, there's so many ways you can get started. Start with pots. I mean, I bought fabric pots last year when I was getting started because I I had my husband build me some beds and then I realized I really want more space because trust me, when you get into it, you're going to just, you're going to want more. It's like an addiction. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have many vices, but I think gardening is one of them. So fabric pots on Amazon. I mean, I think you can get like five gallon or 10 gallon or 20 gallon or whatever, however many sizes and shapes you want. And they're super cheap. You can fill them with some soil and get some seeds. A packet of seeds is $3 or get some seeds from a friend. Cause you know, if you have anyone who gardens, we all want to talk about gardening like all the time and happy to share seeds because it's just an exciting event. So, you know, find your friends and see what they have and get started. And you can do that really, really cheap as well as in a really small, small space. Garden beds. I had my hubby build me some garden beds. So let me talk about hubbies. If you have a hubby, most likely they want to feel respected. So men typically love, they want that feeling of respect. So 
you know, I sweetly asked him, can you please build me some garden beds? And he did. And then, of course, you know, I went around and told all my friends and showed him off. And I think that is something that he he really appreciated, the feeling of respect and that feeling of ownership. Um, you know, you might be thinking, oh, my husband would never want to do that. But I would be surprised. Most men want to feel that sense of accomplishment. And and you have the ability to, you know, give them that respect and show them how important they are. So, you know, here's my little plug to all the wifeys out there. Talk to your hubby and see if he'll build you a garden bed. And plus, for my husband, it was an excuse to buy a tool. And of course, we needed new tools and different tools. So he had a good time and we are still having a good time. He's actually building me more as we speak because like I said gardening is addicting and so my vice is growing (laughs) um so um my friend Sabrina she's gonna be on this podcast I think I mentioned her as well but she grows in such a small space so we're gonna talk about that we're gonna bring her on here for one of these visits and just talk about how anyone can do this and Amanda has an amazing amount of information She's got a YouTube channel that is just amazing. It shows, she just teaches so much. I mean, the woman is making cheese and doing all these things and grow, and she has bees and, oh, it's just awesome. So I feel like I learn so much every time I talk to her. And I want you to know that this journey of home or homesteading is a work in progress. It's a transition It's something that you're going to keep forever. These skills that you want to learn or you're passionate about learning, these things are are lifelong things that will become generational, hopefully. You know, like I said, I I regret not learning from from my grandparents what I what I could have. And and I hope that my children will find a passion in these things that I have and I can pass that to them and then hopefully I can also pass these things on to my grandchildren and these skills won't be lost and we'll be able to keep them for generations. We'll become more self-sufficient and be safer and create that safe haven of a home. And so um, that's something that I think we all could benefit from, from learning. I mean, you know, canning, water bath canning, it's actually pretty simple. Um, I did that this year. I was overzealous and planted every every tomato plant that, um, that, that sprouted on me this year and ended up with an awesome harvest of tomatoes. So I realized, you know, I, I, I'm not going to waste this. I put a lot of work into this and, and a lot of money into it, buying the soil and getting the garden beds. And I, I went like literally, you know, 10 steps deep on this this year. And so I said, okay, I have to learn how to can this. So I ended up canning 40 jars of salsa. And I realized salsa was where I was going to stick because, you know, the tomatoes were coming in as fast as I could get them in. And I didn't want anything to spoil. I don't even know how many pounds. I didn't, I really didn't measure anything. I think it was 15 gallon sized bags that I froze the tomatoes and then thawed them so I could make the salsa. But I'm not going to have to buy salsa for an entire year. And I thought, and when I hit, when that realization hit me, I realized, like, I literally don't have to buy salsa. I mean, I buy salsa almost every week. We love salsa. We eat chips and salsa as a snack. And, you know, we do taco nights. 
And I realized like pretty much 40 jars of salsa will last me a year. And so I realized it's, it's actually a, a, obtainable. Like being, I'm, I'm self-sufficient in the salsa world, guys. Listen to me. I'm so excited. <laughs> but I don't have to buy salsa for a year. And it reali- I realized like I can do this with other stuff. In my backyard, I have, an, you know, I live in a neighborhood. We have an HOA. And we have a large lot. It's about an acre, but half of that is not usable because it's a septic field and things. So, and the house sits on it. And so my backyard garden is, is not, is not huge and it's not small. I would give it a medium average size, but I can be self-sufficient in the salsa world. And I think some other things, I have so many fun plans for next year with peas and um, more, more tomatoes. I need more tomatoes. Um, and we did some potatoes and we just did so many fun things. It was such a good experience that, um, you know, I, like I said, I'm addicted and I'm here for it. So, you know, for you guys, I want you to think about planning, you know, this time of year, this time last year is when I was envisioning my garden. I was standing in my backyard and looking at the empty space and saying, okay, this is, this is how I want this. This is what I want to do. And I started planning and buying seeds and jumping into it. I started absorbing as much content as I could. YouTube is an amazing resource. Podcasts are an amazing resource. There's so much out there. And we can start learning. And we should learn while we can. Because we never know when that's going to change. So the def- the modern definition of a homestead is a self-sufficient lifestyle. I love it and I hate it. I'll be honest. I hate that that I hate that term self-sufficient lifestyle because when you really sit back, no one can truly be completely self-sufficient. Maybe if you have acres and acres and animals and uh, live in an area where there's food for your animals year round or you can grow enough hay to feed your animals through the winter and you can have wonderful soils and you can source all of your food locally and you know you have a major setup with your canning and your processing and have fruit trees I mean the 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 scene that comes to mind when people think of homestead is this perfect farm with animals and fruit trees and all of this stuff and so I think people get to this point of like well I can't be a homesteader I don't I don't have this stuff and I felt that way all this past year you know I even had my you know tagline on my Instagram wanna be homesteader and I attended the women's homestead conference just a month ago um and and sat there and thought I am a homesteader I just, I don't have animals, I don't have these things, but I'm, I am a homesteader. It's just, it's a matter of a lifestyle that you're looking for and growing towards. So yes, I don't have the animals. I don't know if I ever will. I hope someday that I do, but in the meantime, I can be as self-sufficient as possible. I mean, heck, guys, I'm salsa self-sufficient, so (laughs) woohoo, but there's so many things that you can do at home in the space that you have. So take home, take a a look at your home, look at where you're at, be thankful for what you have, because we need to be thankful for that. And think about your community, 
Because your community, not just your neighborhood, but your friends and your family, if you want to think about self-sufficiency, you know, working together as a team, maybe you grow all the tomatoes next year and you and your neighbor grows all the watermelons, you know, or whatever. And you work together because maybe they have a better space for watermelons than you have. And you can, and we can work together as a community to truly help each other become self-sufficient as a community. So the goal behind the home portion of our core topics is this, you know, we're going to dive deep into all the things home, all the things homesteading. We have lots of plans to dig deep, to give you education and action steps. And I want you to leave this podcast thinking how grateful you are for the home and the space that you have, while also considering what you could do different that could help you be more self-sufficient or help you make steps in this journey if this is a journey that you're looking towards being on. And we are going to be digging deeper each week with a whole lot of content here. So thank you for listening and I will talk to you soon.